Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketer.com, the digital marketing podcast for tech marketers who are sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. Have you heard of Oli Gardner? Um, he's the co-founder of Unbounce and he's a pretty good marketing bullshit fighter. I'm interviewing him live on Facebook on Tuesday, the 31st of October, 2017. If you want more details about this, it will be the first live episode recorded and broadcasted on Everyone Hates Marketers. So you can go to everyonehatesmarketers.com slash Oli. That's O-L-I. So once again, it's everyonehatesmarketers.com slash Oli, O-L-I. Right, in this episode, you're going to find out why people don't connect with your marketing and what you should do about it. So my guest is Dave Gerhardt, which is the, and he is the director of marketing at Drift. Drift is basically reinventing marketing and sales using conversation, messaging, instead of traditional forms. It's a virtual assistant for your website, uh, in a few words. So Dave joined Drift as their first marketer two years ago. He's also the co-host of the podcast Seeking Wisdom with Drift CEO David Cancel. Dave is a true no-nonsense marketer. You can believe me when I said that. And in this episode, we are going to discuss why people are immune to, to bad marketing, uh, why side projects are a great way to find a job, uh, why talking to people on the internet like you would talk to them in real life is the way to go, uh, and how to actually connect with people. Uh, and how to make sure that your marketing connects with them. So have a listen, let me know, let me know what you think, and I'm pretty sure you're going to have fun in, in listening to this episode. Bye-bye. Right, Dave, so thank you so much for your time, and, and thank you for being on the show. Um, there's one little story that I discovered in your Twitter feed, I think, or on a blog post uh, that you wrote. Uh, <laughs> okay. And it's, uh, so it's a guy called uh, John Westenberg who, who followed 150 digital marketers on Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you remember what happened, uh, so he followed those guys and, and then what happened, uh, once he followed those 150 people? I think uh, this is almost a year ago. I almost remember this. They, they all like auto, they, did they like auto send him like DMs or something like that or like auto tweet or something like that? Yeah. So he received more than 100 auto DMs <laughs> from digital marketers. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Good for, right. good for them. Good for them. I'm sure that I'm sure that's working out well for them. <laughs> it's so, actually funny because I, I let, I, um, I log into our Drift Twitter account every now and then. Like I do, we do all of our social uh, on a different platform. But I, sometimes I log into the native app and I just go to the inbox and I'm like, "Holy shit!" It's literally hundreds of people, hundreds of these like DMs from people that are just automated. It's awful. Why is it awful? Because I don't know who would actually do. I don't know. I don't know who actually would do that. And so I, it's just like a good example of marketers just like over rotating on automation. And so it's it's like. It's actually the reason why um, the welcome email for Drift, like if you subscribe to our blog, 
the welcome email, because everybody sends a welcome email. In the welcome email, I say like, hey, I, I know that you know that this is an automated email, but I'm a real person and I am a real person who had to write this. So reply and I'll say hi back to you. And so like, I think that's one of the ways that like I've tried to like demask the automation, right? Because it still works. I still want to send in uh, like a drip campaign to new people that sign up. But I know that they're so like used to the shit that other marketers do that. I just wanted to kind of say like, I'm, you know, we're not, we're not like everybody else. So that's a good example of, of what's going on in marketing at the minute. People tend to forget that people are people. And when we put our marketers hats on, we, we kind of forget that they are, and we just treat them as leads or potential sales. Right. So in, in a wider, more kind of a strategic or why type of question, what's going on in marketing at the minute? Why is it so polluted? Yeah, I think, you know, I actually don't think it's, I don't think anybody is intending to do bad marketers. I think we've just like 10 years ago, everything on the, everything in internet marketing, maybe, yeah, yeah, ten, let's say 10 years ago, 2007, everything in internet marketing was still pretty, was still pretty new. And so like, if you were one of the few people who had a podcast or had a blog, your advantage in creating it and building an audience were like, you were one of the only people that, that did that. Um, but then, but in the last 10 years, like every mark, you know, marketing went from, so the, it, it, part of it was for good, was for good, right? Marketing used to just get, and this was before I was even doing marketing. So I can't really relate. I was, I was still in college, but marketing used to get a bad rap. It was like arts and crafts. Like nobody actually knew what marketers did every day. And then because of digital marketing and all the, you know, marketing tools on the internet, like marketers started to get a lot of credit because they could actually say, Hey, all these things that we did generated this many leads, which turned into this many sales. And so all these companies started to be like, Oh, marketing is legit. It's not just arts and crafts. And I think then what happened is just like anything, human nature, we take a good thing. And if you do too much of it, it becomes a bad thing. And we just over-rotated. And so we said, Oh, we, uh, you know, we automate our emails. Why don't we automate? Uh, and then I can save a bunch of time if I automate my tweets. So why don't I automate? Like when somebody follows me, I DM them or, you know, uh, if they, there's just like however many ways you want to cut it. But that, that's kind of like the story that I think, and I think that's the reason why is that just we've been given all these tools that allow us to automate things. And, you know, it's a little bit, it's partially like the person who's using it that can be responsible. But most of the time it's just like we're, we, it's human nature to, to want to be as efficient as possible. And if I could do no work and get the same number, same amount of results, guess which one I'm going to pick. The truth is nobody, like, I don't think I've ever met somebody who bought something from another automated DM. Uh, automatic direct message on Twitter, right? So uh, <laughs> definitely not. there's definitely something not. happening at the minute in marketing and it seems like people are getting immune to it, uh, immune to the, actually the, the, the bad marketing type, the, the bad automation or the bad content and people bullshit, you know, uh, barometer is getting more, much more sophisticated, right? Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny, like, so when we started uh, when I started at Drift, we didn't have a blog and we didn't really do any, we didn't really do any marketing. I was the first marketing hire. And so I started to build an email list, um, and I started to send weekly emails and I had developed this kind of like this writing style that was just very, um, personal. That's just how I, how I learned, how I write. And I had, um, before Drift, I had a, a little side project, a podcast and a newsletter that I had grown uh, in the community in Boston here. And I would just, every Sunday night, I would send an update to the list. And, and it was just supposed to be like a personal email, a personal note from me, because I wasn't a business, I was a person. 
and then when I came to Drift, uh, my boss, our CEO, David Cancel, he was like, do that same thing, replicate that same personal tone and do it for our, for our marketing emails. And so I just started writing and, um, I never, to your point, like I never, I just didn't, uh, capitalize my subject lines. Uh, I just, I just like, I sent an email, like I would, uh, email my mom, like, um, uh, coming over tomorrow to see the baby question mark. And then I would start the, start the email. And that's how I started the marketing emails at drift. And so many people thought that I must have found some like growth hack or like, uh, you know, I, they thought that like I AB tested the list and found that like lowercase subject lines performed, performed better. And that's why I, that's why I was doing it. The truth is they did perform better, but it's not because I tested it. They performed better because they felt like, um, personal emails. And then I didn't know this at the time, but after this, I got really into copywriting books and I read the, uh, this book called the boron letters by Gary Halbert. And in the book, he talks about how uh, everybody has two piles uh, as people, right? We we get used to get a lot of mail. Uh, you younger people, I'm not that old, but you younger people, we used to get stuff in the mail. And when you'd come home, you would separate the pile of mail. You'd have your A pile, uh, things that clearly looked like letters from friends. Uh, they weren't, you know, weren't really fancily uh, packaged or didn't look like laminated um, mailing pieces. And then you had your B pile, which was obviously marketing email. And that was like, oh my God, that's exactly, I didn't even realize that that's what we had been doing. But, but that analogy is just like something that I think about every day now is that's why we send plain text emails at Drift. Honestly, there isn't a real big science behind it. The science behind it is something in our brains goes off when you get a perfectly designed HTML email with a banner and buttons. It's like, I know this is a marketing email. And so the bar is going to be even higher for me to get a response. But like the, the, I'm laughing at myself and my own joke actually for the last five minutes. Uh, so I have to say it. But like when you said, you know, about your ma, uh, you know, are you going coming to see the baby tomorrow? Question mark. I was thinking if a marketer with a marketing hat on would, would, would write the subject line, it would probably be like something, mom, you won't believe what's happening tomorrow or something like this, right? Uh, but it's fairly an all capitalized letters on first words. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's fairly but easy. But see, see I, I, would be, I would be okay with that subject line if the content in the email delivered on that. But the problem is, the disconnect is, we just it's just bait and switch. It's a headline, it's a subject line to get you to open it, and then I switch it once I get it, what gets you in the email. All right, so... In this episode, what I'm, what we're trying to, uh, to do is solve the problem of how to actually do marketing that will really connect with people because it seems like more and more people are getting immune to it. So this is kind of the over, like the overall theme of this, of this episode, how to make sure that your people don't get tired of your, of your marketing, how to make sure to connect with them. But before that, mm. I'd like to talk a bit about, about you. Uh, so. Just prior to recording this episode, starting the recording, we're actually telling a good story. Uh, so you're based in Boston. You used to work for HubSpot and Constant Contact, which are two major SaaS business. Uh, and you also had this side project of a podcast and a newsletter, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, it was called it was called Tech in Boston. Um, I was uh, working in product marketing at Constant Contact, which at the time it's still it, now it's they've been bought and a bunch of subs happened, but. They were bigger, a bigger company, a bigger, uh, you know, publicly traded SaaS company that had 1,500 employees, and um, we were we were out outside of the city. And I really wanted to. I started as I started to get really interested in SaaS and tech. I wanted to feel like a part of the community, and there was a growing startup community in Boston. And 
I just came up with the idea of starting a podcast. Uh, this was in 2014. So for those listening, before Serial, there was Tech in Boston. All right, it wasn't Serial <laughs> that blew that blew up the podcast world. Um, but I, I started this podcast because I said uh, I was actually really interested in. Um, Jason Calacanis this week in startups and um, would listen to his podcast all the time and was, was I would love all the stories but then I'd be like damn there's there's a huge startup community here in Boston and there but there's nobody represented from Boston on the show maybe I could just start my own thing um, and so I actually interviewed my my CEO at the company I was at uh, I went to a startup uh, called Privy at the time and I interviewed him as the first episode and then week by week I started to just make more connections with people in Boston and every Friday I would do an interview with a founder or CEO in Boston uh, and that thing kind of kind of grew. Um, and then built an email list and started a newsletter every, every Sunday night I sent out an, an email that was basically like, here's what happened in Boston, in the Boston tech community over the last week. And I think people liked it because I wasn't a journalist. I wasn't a uh, part of the media, just kind of like a guy who happened to work in tech in Boston and just shared what was going on. Like, Hey, I heard this thing. I, you know, here's this link. And I was taking like, it wasn't really about the news. It was about the director of marketing at this company wrote a really interesting me medium post. The head of design at this company made this really interesting slideshow deck. And I just tried to curate, um, curate all of that. Long story short is that's how I, I met, uh, the, founder of drift david cancel i had him on my, my podcast and then we connected and then uh a day later i had just looked at their page on angelus and i saw that they were making their first marketing hire and that's when i i sent him a note so that's that's how i got here it's a it's a pretty good story pretty similar to mine um where i started the podcast this podcast and, and got into oh, yeah. the guest at, at hotjar uh, so it's, yeah, it's quite fun because it, it, it's rare to meet people who are, who have done podcasts in the past. It's not a channel that a lot of people would overtake because it takes time, right? It's not as easy as publishing a, a medium post, right? There's actually something else that I think is worth unpacking in the, in there. And that's like, we talk about this a lot from a hiring perspective. It's really, uh, we, it, hiring for marketing is really hard, right? Because you don't always have this like, there's no like test. There's not always a test you can do. It's not like an engineer. You can come in and you can you know, write, you know, go through a coding test and you know what it is or, or you can design something and show me like marketing. Even if I can give you, even if I give you a project, it's really hard because you need to see how somebody reacts in day to day and has the ability to like just generate new ideas all the time. And so, you know, I fall in this trap all the time. And I'm still not good at, you know, not good at it is like, I look at somebody's LinkedIn profile and I expect the LinkedIn profile to have this like perfect resume, like, you know, worked at, um, you know, worked at Google, then worked at Salesforce, then, you know, started a blog on the side and now is looking for their next job at drift. And it's just like, it never works out that way. And then what I realize, and this is the same pattern you have, like the same thing that I realize is like, what I should be looking for is people who are doing interesting things and have built an audience on the side. And then you can teach that person to almost do anything. And so I've never uh, ran a marketing team before. I have never, you know, done almost all the things that I've done in the last two years now at Drift. But what David saw, and this is something that we've talked about a lot, is like, okay, I built uh, on my own on a side project, I built up an audience of thousands of people. He was like, I don't even care how you do that. Just come here and you can learn and do that at a bigger scale for us. And so I think there's a lot of lessons in there for hiring marketers for sure. Absolutely. And I don't mean any disrespect to the listeners who are in this type of position, but I believe that you can't be a kind of a, a, f a full stack marketer per se without having 
started a project on your own without any money to invest in ads or anything like this. I, I believe that like marketing starts with when you have nothing and you have to offer something of value and, you know, email 10 people that will then like it so much that they email another 10 people, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Oh my God. I want to jump through this and, yeah, and give see you a hug right now because I actually wrote, I wrote a post, I wrote a post on medium about a year ago and it was like the most popular thing that I've ever written. It was, it was called how a side project helped me jumpstart my career. And it was all about how tech embossed had led me to drift. And the set, the bottom section of the article was exactly what you just mentioned, where because I was doing this on my own, like I was at a 1500 person company, right? They weren't going to give me access to the back end of the website and a budget. And like, you know, I, I was 23, 24 years old at, at that company. Like there's no way, but when I started tech in Boston, I had to figure out, and this, this, this is going to sound really silly, but like, I don't think a lot of marketers can do this stuff on their own. Like I had to figure out how to set up a website. I had to figure out Google analytics. I had to figure out how to build an email list. I had to figure out how to cold email people I don't know and get them on my show. I had to figure out how to sell sponsorships. I had to learn sales. Like those are all things I had to figure out on my own without a playbook or without a template. And I think that that, you know, I'm just getting fired up about it again right now. And I almost want to go re rewrite about it because I think that is just such an underrated, uh, underrated thing. And I lectured in a, in a college recently and, and graduates were asking this exact question. How do I stand out in the marketing place? How do I find my first job in marketing? And I was, I was telling them exactly this, like try to invest in a side project something that you strongly believe in. And it doesn't have to be about marketing, right? It doesn't have to be marketers talking about marketing like we are doing right now. It can very well be, let's say, one of your, like your sister, he's, um, has an immune condition, something that she has, you know, that she will have for the rest of her life. And there, are, there is a charity that needs your help. Just get involved in this charity and, and do a side project for them, set up the website for them, help them to send email newsletter, whatever it is, but show that, you're not just following the path that you're expecting to take and show that you're taking a bit of risk and you will learn so much out of it. And then you'll make, uh, you, you make, uh, you, you build a network that will then enable you to get the right, uh, opportunity. Like what happened to you and what happened to me? And it's perfect examples. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that advice. And, uh, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that sounds obvious, but I would say 99% of the people will hear it, even though they're, they're even going to listen to this podcast and hear it and just don't, they won't actually go out and do it or they might go and do it and they might do it for a week. And that, that happened to me. Like I, I started tech in Boston, I did it for a month and I hated it. And so I quit. Uh, and then it was, it wasn't until I quit after doing it for a month um, I got like two or three emails from complete strangers, people I had never met or no, known in my life. And they said, Hey, you know, I'm a big, I was a big fan of like what you were doing with tech in Boston. Why did, why did you stop? And it was when I got those three emails that I was like, wow, wait, what? This is somebody other than my mom or other than my wife that thinks this is cool. And that just like told, you know, that got me to relook at it from a, from a different lens. And then I, I just recommitted and, and really just doubled down on it after that. But it, it took that moment to like, so that's, that's my way of saying like, you're going to start something and it's going to suck, right? Everybody knows the like Reed Hoffman, like if you're not embarrassed by the first version of whatever you're doing, then you're not doing it right. And I think that's the reality of it. Like the only way I was able to get 
guest number two on tech in Boston was because I got guest number one, right? Like, Hey, uh, like, you know, same way you started this podcast, like here's a link to the interview I did with so-and-so I think you'd be great. Check it out. It just starts to snowball and all that stuff builds on, it builds on itself, but it doesn't start anywhere unless you actually get started yourself. And, and one thing to remember as well, and it's important to say that there are some themes in this podcast that are being repeated by, by people and that I keep repeating, but because I know that even if you have heard of it before or listened to the exact same sentence before, it's important to repeat stuff. I've realized that, you know, it takes time to digest this information, takes time to then action it, but I, I don't have any problem mentioning what I'm going to say once again, people don't care about you. And that's really mm. hard to say. When you start a side project, people won't care. Your job is to make them care. That should be your challenge. And it's okay if some of them don't, but this is what you start with. People don't care about you whatsoever. Now, this is your job as a marketer. How do you make them care? Mm. Yeah, I, I think that it's the reason why I read so many business books, even though they all say the same thing. <laughs> it's because it just needs to be repeated and pounded into my head. I forget. I forget all the time. Exactly. Uh, right. So we haven't talked about drift too much. Um, I'm going to try to explain it in my own words. That could be a good exercise for you. You can then repeat uh, that and say, this is how he's explaining. So to me, it's basically a way, it's a software that helps you to communicate with your website visitors better to really be able to have like one-to-one -one conversations and, and be able to, to reach, uh, to meet their needs faster. Right. It's pretty now, good. What's that's the real definition? Good. What's the real value? No, that, that, that's pretty good. Um, the way that we talk about it, and I'll actually just use, I'm a big fan of using the words that other people are using to describe what we're doing. And uh, we were talking to a customer the other day and he's like, I, he's like, I know what Drift is. I'm like, okay, what? He's like, it's like a virtual assistant for your website. And that was like, well, I would have never described it like that. But basically the, the reality of it is like what we're focused on is reinventing marketing and sales uh, using conversation. So messaging um, instead of traditional uh, forms. So like traditional marketing and sales platforms are all built on forms and follow ups and gated content and uh, cold calls and cold emails. Um, we're trying to connect you with the best people while they're actually live on your website. Pretty good. Pretty good uh, proposition, huh? So what's the, in, in five years, where, where is Drift going, going to be? What's the, the kind of the big, the big idea for the, for the, for the software? Um, well, you know, for, for us, the big idea is like, is completely rewriting the way that, that everybody does sales and marketing today, but it's not a major shift for you as a business. It's actually bringing marketing back to the roots where like it used to marketing used to be marketing and sales used to be about people and having conversations with people and talking to people and getting to know you and then figuring out how I can best match what we have to fit your needs. But because of all the tools and technology that we have today, it's just become about gaming the system. How can I put this landing page up and increase the conversion rate by 2% in order to get six more leads so I can hit my number as a, as a marketing person, even though the sales team is going to miss their goal. Like our VP of sales and I have this conversation all the time. He's been doing this for 20 years and he's like, he's been at five or six companies. He's like every company that I've worked at, the VP of marketing Whoever's in charge of marketing and whoever's in charge of sales, they argue about the same thing every time. Marketing says, well, why don't you follow up with these leads fast enough? These, I'm giving you the good leads, right? And then the sales team says, like, maybe if you didn't bring in shit leads, we wouldn't have be having this conversation. And so 
that's just like how we, <laughs> that, that's the reality of it. And, uh, we're, we're trying to bring it all back to conversations and make it about people throughout the technology. It's all about, I'm on your website right now. I'm interested. And the biggest, the big disconnect that we're going after is like the way that you and I buy and communicate with businesses, uh, is the exact opposite of how we communicate as people. And I, anytime I'm like offline for a little bit, like right now or doing a webinar or something, I always say like, this is the hour of the day where I'm getting the least amount of slack and I messages because it's turned off, right? Like messaging is how we all communicate every single day. But for the majority of businesses, I got to go to their website. I got to fill out a form. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll hit some magic lead scoring threshold and get connected to a sales rep and then like earn the right to talk to their, to their team. And all of those products were built to solve company problems. And the company problem was like, I have a hundred sales reps. I have a million visitors to my website. I can't possibly have them wasting their time with people who aren't actually going to buy all day. So what do we do? We threw up forms. We put all these complex rules in, but now all the power has shifted back to, uh, you know, to, to people, to customers. And so it's ridiculous that I can order a car. I could use TaskRabbit or something to send you a coffee within the next hour. I don't even know where you are right now. I could figure that out and send you a coffee, but I can't go get a demo of a, of a software product without, you know, waiting four days to get qualified from the sales team. Yeah. I want to hug you as well. <laughs> uh, it's tough. It's it's great to talk about the same thing uh, and, and and agree on that. Um, so can you can you describe a little bit more the um, the things that we do as marketers that are completely the opposite of the way we actually talk to people? So you mentioned briefly the landing page, the form, uh, gated content. Can you elaborate on those? Yeah, the the example that I love to use is like is the Apple Store, right? Um, you can go to any mall and just walk into any Apple store and pick up a MacBook or pick up a phone or pick up an iPad. And like, you've probably done a little bit of research before that, right? You've probably Googled, like, you know, you probably talked to your friends, saw what other people are saying on, you know, Amazon reviews and for, or in forums or looked on product hunt. Um, or you've, you know, you've done a little research to know, like maybe, maybe you want the MacBook pro versus the MacBook air, but you're not sure about the space. And then you go into the store when you're ready and then you go and check it out yourself. That's how things like happen in person and in, in real life. But the way that that happens online is even if I know all the answers to those questions, I go to your website and I have to fill out a form that has 10 fields on it before just to let the sales team know that I'm qualified. So I have to say, here's my name, here's my email. It's my work email has to be, here's my phone number. Here's my domain. Here is uh, how many people are on my team. Here is the marketing budget. And then I hit submit. And it's just like, first of all, there's two things that are wrong with that. Number one, it's 2017, right? You can find out all that information without having to have somebody fill out your form. We partner with a company at Drift called Clearbit. And I can know, I know your domain, company size, revenue. I know all that stuff before you ever say hi on our website. And that's the reality of it. So technology is so good. You can figure all that stuff out today. Um, but the second part of that is like the way that consumers buy has changed. We all know, we, we all know these things. I've been doing webinars for like six months at Drifts right now. And we had webinar software from this one company and I needed to upgrade. I needed to buy more seats for, for the platform. And so I went to their website and they already had my credit card on file. And the only way to upgrade was to call them. 
And I was like, I'm giving doing this webinar in the next hour. So what did I do? I did what everybody does. I Googled, you know, I typed in the company name. I'm not going to put them on blast right now, but I typed their company name and I wrote alternative and I got the best, I got the top. Then I got some lists. Somebody wrote like, here are the five best webinar software. And I read a list for two seconds. I went to that company's website. They got me an answer right away and I bought, right? And that just says everything. Um, our, our ops guy, he, I'm not going to mention the tool, but he had a, he had $15,000 in hand on this company's website. And he said, we need, we had a hole that we needed to fill. I need to buy this. They made him wait two weeks to go through a process. Like those things are crazy. And, and as people, we all get fired up about those things. But then in our jobs and marketing, we're like, well, no, this is how it works. This is, this is what the process is. I know the company you're talking about. I'm not going to mention them either, even though I could, there's no reason why I shouldn't. But the reason why I know them is because I had a very similar experience where instead of having to upgrade, I had to, can I wanted to cancel the account. <laughs> I have had the same, yeah. And I had to call them and I yeah. literally lost it. And I mean, the person on the phone, I was like, it's no disrespect to you. I understand not you your fault. job. It's not your fault. Not your but fault. Fuck me. Like, <laughs> right. Having well, the best part, the best part was like, um, after I had already switched to the other account, then this sales rep called me every day for two weeks oh. straight. And I'm like, buddy, you are, I'm already gone. I'm already gone. And this is just like, that example has given me enough content at drift for the next year, because that's exactly <laughs> what, that's exactly what we're solving. Like what, what we say is like, what we do as marketers is we ignore the people who are in our store, right? So that's the equivalent of like, I'm in the Apple store and I can't get anybody's help. But then the second I leave the Apple store, somebody calls my phone. And then I get home and there's a piece of mail waiting for me and they're telling me to come back. And I'm like, wait, wait, come, what, why would I come back? I was already, I was already there. I was already in your store. Right. So I think we've described the problem pretty well. We've described what's going on in today's marketing and, and Dave has to drink some water because he's getting really angry at the minute and me too. Um, <laughs> so we have the problem. People are getting immune to it. People are getting sick and, and sick and sicker uh, uh, and companies are struggling to find ways to, to connect with people better. And they still use those, those tricky scammy tactic in your face tactics to try to get more sales in. So now let's describe what marketers and listeners should do instead. And let's try to get, you know, you know, kind of a step-by-step -step methodology that people can take away. Um, so. How do you actually do marketing that people genuinely connect with? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about, well, I, I, I'll mention how Drift fits in, but I just want to mention, like, let's talk about the first part. And I think the first part is empathy. And I think it's a, it's a word that a lot of people use a lot, but they don't really think about what it means. And the way that I think about it is, like, I am doing marketing at a company that sells to marketers. And so... The, the number one marketing technique that I can use is I can tell them what I'm doing and, and explain to them how I'm doing things and share what we're doing and make it all about education and selling. And if you think about it, like helping, helping is the new selling today. Like the, the companies that, that win are the ones who are just genuinely helpful. The ones that we want to go tell, tell our friends about. So I, th so I think it starts with like being helpful, being genuinely helpful. But then the, the empathy part is like, how many times do you actually think before you write a blog post or before you send an email or before you put up some Facebook ads, is this really good? Are people actually going to 
going to click on this and then buy? And then if they do click on this, is it going to deliver on what I'm telling them? Because the backlash could be just as bad, right? If you just completely lie about something and then send them to a landing page. So for me, it's those two things that I try to think of. I try to think of every day, which is like, is it helpful? And is this something that I would actually click on as a person? Right. So try to take, try to take distance from what you're doing and, 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 and take off your marketer's hat and say, is it, yeah, is it genuinely good? Ask yourself that yeah. question, right? There, there's a, you know, there's a book by Stephen Pressfield called Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit. And I'll sum up the whole book for you right now. It's basically, he was a, he was a, a, a guy working at an ad agency and all these clients would come to the ad agency and pitch them on like, okay, we need ads because this, this podcast is the best podcast on earth. And that's what you need to make your ad campaigns about. And what he realized was like his job in the ad agency world was to actually tell their, tell the clients like, nobody's going to give a shit about this. So they have to help them connect the dots. And so I think the best thing you can do as a marketer is be, is be a little skeptical. Like, okay, all right, I have to go. We just built a new feature at our company, right? I have to go market it. I, I'm not going to go tell them like, no guys, I don't think this is good. So I'm not going to market it. Like they, that's, um, I, I like my job and I want to keep it. So then I have to think about, okay, what's really in it? what's really in it for people, right? It's not about, it's not about us. It's about them. And so then you just basically start start to reverse engineer the whole, the whole story. And so I think just taking a step back for like five minutes and just trying to map that out and think, what are you really selling? Um, my favorite analogy, there's another great, uh, great book on copywriting is called cash advertising. And in that book, the, the title is corny, but it's a really, really good book. Um, there's a great example. And it's like, what people don't understand is that uh, you're at a hardware store. People aren't coming to the hardware store to buy a long handle and a, and an aluminum thing on the end of the handle. They're not coming to buy a shovel, right? They want holes in the ground. If they could just snap their fingers and get holes in the ground, they don't care if it was a shovel, if it was a person you had to hire, if it was a bird that dug the hole. And so I just try to think about that and all the things that we do in marketing. Like how do we, how do we understand that it's not about what we're selling? It's about what people can do with what we're selling. So the jobs that they are using your solution uh, to 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 perform, uh, which is very which is the same type of thinking than the jobs to be done methodology, which I found really helpful. It sounds a bit simple and silly, but it's really exactly what you said. It's not about what you're buying or what you're using; it's about what you're doing with it. And as soon as you think this way, marketing gets a little bit easier. Uh, yeah, and and the the other point that's worth mentioning there is like. It, the, the only challenge though is like even with jobs to be done like you can start to go down this feature this feature hole right and the problem is is that like even if you did make the best i don't know what is this a remote right even if i did make the best remote and i ha did have the best features and i could tell you that it's this much thinner and it's faster consumers are just so skeptical like i don't believe you if you tell me it's the fastest is it really the fastest like the last iphone i bought was 16 gigs and i opened it up and it i turned on i clicked on software and it was 11 gigs and so like you know people are just skeptical about what people are are um what people are selling and so the big thing that we're really passionate about at drift and this came from david is like the only way to really win in marketing today is is by building a brand. And you have to have an emotional connection with somebody beyond your features because the world of like competing just on features is is over because anyone can go start a company today uh, and then just go look at Product Hunt and just see how much noise. There's hundreds of new products being launched every day. Whereas like five years ago, 
a new product would be on TechCrunch just because it existed because it was so rare. And so you're just always fighting this noise. You have a lot of things working against you as a marketing person today. So step one, remember that, you know, to build up empathy and, and to really understand whether what you're doing is, is really good. And step two, uh, I would summarize it by, by, I think being honest, right, is, is a good way to, th to think about it. Like not trying to oversell it or not trying to lie to people, but being very honest with it. Um, I know exactly what listeners are thinking right now because I, I talked to a few of them. I know that one thing when we mentioned good marketing and how to practice it, the big objection that they have is, okay, but how do I actually convince my managers to, to do this, right? How do I actually convince them? <laughs> I'm laughing because this is the number one question that I get whenever we talk about this stuff. Um, and it's not a pretty, it's not a pretty answer. The, the, the number one answer is like, it's real, it's going to be really hard. If you're at a place that doesn't, that doesn't think about marketing the same way you do, it's going to be really hard to swim upstream and try to fight that. And so I got really lucky and it was part of like the reason why I joined this company in that I was talking to CEO David and we were on the same page. He's like, I don't care about traffic. I don't care about blog subscribers. I don't care about Twitter followers. I care about customers and I care about building a brand. And he's like, I don't want, and I want to see any of those vanity metrics. And I just knew like right away we were on the same page. And so, you know, in, in any business, like alignment is, is key, right? You want your sales reps to sell more Well, they're, they're need They need to be aligned. Uh, you want your customer success team to be better. They need to be aligned with customer success. The same thing, uh, in marketing. So like, there isn't like, I can't give you like some checklists of like three things that you can do here. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be based on alignment. You have to be at a place and be at a company and work with other people who feel the same way and understand like what marketing really is. And, and if you're not like, we're, you know, we're hiring, like there's plenty of, there's plenty of other opportunities out there. And, um, you know, th that's, unfortunately, that's the best piece of advice that I have for, for, for that question. So you did give, you did give a checklist. Number one, if, if you really, <laughs> if you really feel that you cannot change people's mind, which is by the way, is incredibly difficult to do. You, you, you just simply cannot change a CEO's mind who has like 30 years experience in the field. It, it's just, well, just, yeah. And, and, and also like, think about, think about where, if you're at the company, right? If the company is doing well and sales are, sales are good, product is good, but you're like this lone marketer like on a pedestal about like, we need to be doing brand. Like they're not going to listen to you, right? Because things are going well. Nobody cares. Like why change it if it's not broken? True. So if, if you, if you feel that people don't connect with your vision and your culture, like your values and culture, then step two is obviously to, to try to find a new job in the meantime, work on a side project and, uh, and get a job in a company that has the values that you have. Amen. Yes. Yeah, you did. I know you didn't want to say it, but I said it for you. Uh, <laughs> and it's tough to say, obviously, because, you know, some people might have more difficulty finding a job than another. It might be like tied to like in terms of money, it could be a little bit difficult. I completely understand, but it takes time. And if you have the patience to go about it, then you could wait months or even years to, to find your next opportunity and make sure that this one is a good one. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I would argue that don't like if you really if you really if what you're doing is is not making you happy like don't don't do it and especially as a marketer today i mean there's so many 
you should see, and I see them because they pitch us all the time. Like you could go make money. If you're a marketing person and you don't, and you're not getting along with your company or you don't believe what they're doing, go out on your own, be your own video, the video production company, be your own copywriting company, be your own podcast production company. Like you can make six figures doing that. And, and so like, especially today when anybody can create a business, there's really no reason this is why like it's it's hard to listen to people who just sit and grumble about their jobs because you can do you more so more than ever today you can go and change you can go and do something about it um i'd like to come back to the dialogue that you were mentioning about between the, a typical vp of marketing and vp of sales a vp of marketing that says <laughs> you know we're giving you leads you don't you don't turn them into customers the vp of sales that say well we would like to but the leads are are, are shit so do you have that conversation inside Drift or not? Honestly, do you ever have this conversation? Uh, the honest answer is yeah, of course. Of course. Like if I said no, you wouldn't believe me. So I would say yes. Um, we do. The conversation is is a little bit different, and uh, the reason it's different is because our conversation and our arguments. Um, love you, Armin. It's not an argument, but is really just about because we're we're building a whole new way of doing sales and marketing. And so the biggest pain points we have are around like who gets credit for if somebody, if somebody shows up on our website and says, I want to buy and they spend a thousand dollars and they buy right there. Was that marketing generated? Was that sales generated? And so I think there's a lot of it that comes down to like, and what, what we're on the same page about is like revenue and customers. Those are our shared goals. And if we're short on leads that month, but we hit our customer goal, great. If we're, uh, you know, that like we're aligned on that. He doesn't want, he doesn't care about the vanity metrics. So I think things that we, that we do, I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to give you a little bit more. Um, the, the things that we do, you know, disagree on is like at the end of the day, they're the sales team and we're the marketing team. Like we have, we marketers tend to think a little bit in longer cycles than sales, than salespeople like, okay, why are the not, why are the leads that are coming in today not buying right now? And it's like, well, you know, when was the last time you just went to somebody's website and decided to buy new business software? Um, so it's, it's, it's hard. And I think that's always, that's always been the, the battle between marketing and sales. But I mean, we have an amazing relationship and, and it's, it's because we have the shared vision of, of revenue. And the thing that he was telling me about was like, the reason they used to always argue is because they had two separate goals. Marketing's goals was was to generate MQLs and sales goals was revenue, right? And so marketing is then, it's all about what you incentivize. So marketing was just incentivized to generate MQLs, not looking at are those people actually converting? Are they the right people? And so that that's when you really start to get into, into issues, I think. So you, you would argue that in a typical SaaS software with uh, a sales team, a marketing team, marketing team being like uh, measured on MQLs and, and, and sales being measured on customers, you would argue that they should actually share the same goal i.e. number of customers and that it's okay that certain quarter the number of mqls are not as as big as another quarter because you just simply cannot you know force certain leads to turn into customers or else you create bad profits yeah i mean i think nobody like no ceo is gonna is gonna want is gonna be okay with you saying like oh we had fewer leads this month like once you start growing you're not going to be able to stop but i think I think it's more about coming up with a better metric for sales and marketing. Uh, and I can't like, I could give you, you know, you could make up your own number at your own company. It's really just about like, can you get in the same room and be in agreement? I think what that happens is 
because MQLs could work if, if the sales leader is completely aligned with like, yes, I sign off on this. This is the goal. And what happens when you get to bigger companies is that that stuff doesn't often happen in the same room. So you would argue that the, the solution to this problem is not necessarily finding a metric that everybody will, will get behind. It might be difficult to, to get into disagreement, but at least organizing biweekly sales and marketing meetup where you actually get aligned you know, saying, this is what we've been doing. How can we help you and vice versa? Yeah. I mean, we, we do a day. I do, we do it daily at drift. They have a, the sales team has a, has a, has a meeting at every, at the end of every day to just recap what they're, what they've done. And, and marketing is, is at that meeting every, uh, every single day. So, you know, bi-weekly, bi-monthly, we, we've made it daily just, and th- we, the reason why is because we just don't want there to be any bullshit. Right. And every problem in business comes down to people. And so, when you just put people together and say like, what are we really talking about? Let me grab, can I grab you for a second? Like what's the really, you can hammer out all that stuff, but, but it will never get done if they have their meeting and they're grumbling about marketing and we're off somewhere else. Right. And so you bring everyone together and you say, let's surface this. Uh, I want to go back a little bit about something that you said uh, before saying that, you know, landing pages with forms are kind of a thing of the past. People don't really like doing it. It doesn't feel natural. Uh, also, to, you also talk about gated content, which is, uh, you know, pieces of content that you cannot access unless you give an email address of some sort or that you share it with somebody else or anything like this. So the first example, what's the alternative to that? What would you uh, tell listeners to try instead of doing landing pages with forms like the typical inbound marketing methodology by uh, HubSpot? I would say drift. <laughs> so um, how does it work though, typically? So instead of a landing page, like let's say instead of creating a landing page with a form, how, how do you go about it yourself? Yeah. So this is actually something that I want to go deeper on. I haven't done it yet, but, um, you could actually just get rid of landing pages and just use messaging like conversations in, in, instead of you could have a, just one page and use funnel everybody into a conversation because what you can do is you can target those messages based on everything. Um, and literally, I mean literally everything. And the reason why like, um, you've seen like, uh, chat tools or live chat, wor- uh, not work for sales teams before it's because they would just get all noise. It's like, it, it would be 80% support and they wouldn't want to do it. Um, but it's gotten so good now. Like one of the things that we can do with drift is I can say, Hey, only show this, uh, to people who are at B2B SaaS companies with greater than hundred employees. And so we know that those are going to be pretty good leads for us. So if you're not in that category, you might show up on our website and you might see nothing. Uh, if you are in that category, you might show up on our website and you see that. And the reason why is because we want those people to have a direct line to our sales team versus have them show up, fill out a form, wait for wait four or five days. Um, so you can do a lot of stuff like that. Another really creative way that people are using messaging is um, with all the paid marketing that they're doing because you can do things like pull in the AdWords keywords. And so I could have a message that's the same, same way you might personalize a landing page, um, but you could have the, you know, the, the, the string of uh, URL parameters bring in the keyword that act- somebody actually searching for. And so it could be like, hey, looking for podcasts, like if the if the AdWords keyword was, uh, you know, podcast software, right? It'd be like the message could say, hey, looking for podcast software, I can help when somebody hits the site. So I, I like it. And, and, and obviously you can talk about your product or like the way you want to. And it's good to talk about it because it really fits into the conversation. But it's really mm. about... When you take a step back and think about the conversations we have with salespeople, you took the example of the Apple store. 
you wouldn't enter an Apple store and be faced with a world that says, well, if you want to see those products, actually tell us those following information. What's your first yeah, right. name? Uh, my name right. is Louis. What's my, your last name? Gonier. What's your email? Well, it's, uh, you know, Louis at everyonehatesmarketers.com, blah, blah. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. Instead, you would look at the person in the store and see what she or he is looking at and then maybe approach and say, you know, can I help you with this MacBook Pro in front of you? Did you have any question about it, right? And yeah. that's kind of the normal way we do it, which sounds pretty f- similar to what you just described there, right? Yeah, it's funny. People are like, all right, so I'm going to use Drift. Um, just curious, like, I'm, I'm really excited, but like, what, what should I say? And, <laughs> and our answer to that is always like, what would you say if you, if some, if, what, what would you say if this was your store? Like if your website was a store and somebody walked in, right? You'd say like, hey, thanks for coming by. Uh, let me know if I can help you with anything, right? That'd be the first thing that you would say. And that's like how easy it can be to start. And then as you get more specific, okay, I see Louie, he's in the, he's looking in the sneaker section. I'm not going to send him a message about, you know, our t-shirts while he's in the sneaker section, right? I'm going to say, you know, by the way, this is our most popular sneaker right now. Why don't you check it out? And I think it's, it's all about the thing that I'm really fascinated in. I think we talk about a lot at Drift is like, uh, there's B2B and B2C and all that stuff is going away, right? It's just about B2P, like B2P people, like business to person. Um, like we're all people selling to other people. And so I think there's a lot to be learned from like, what can, what can B2B companies learn from how to be, uh, how B2C companies, um, do sales and, and marketing. What do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next 10 years or even 50 years? Go back and learn. Don't, don't, don't study so much. Like you need to know about what's happening today and you got to know about what tools people are using and technology. Um, but my advice would be go back and learn like two things. Number one, learn what's worked about marketing in the past because people are always people and this things that worked a hundred years ago. Like last summer I went on this kick and kind of re- read all these old school branding and copywriting books and that just completely changed my perspective because what I realized is that like what somebody like Claude Hopkins who wrote a book called scientific advertising in 1924, what he said in 1924, I'm sitting there on my couch reading and I'm like, Oh my God, we are still talking about this today in 2017, right? Completely different worlds. And we're still talking about the same thing. And so I would go back and read all those. Um, and then I would just study people. And there's a couple of different ways you can do that. A lot of people love to really dig into the like, uh, you know, um, Cialdini, like influence and those type of books, like human psychology. But like my take on that, I I've read those books, but I just, I'm, I'm a person. And I look at what other people are doing. And so when I am on my train ride home and I see everyone buried in their phones and I expect that like somebody's gonna, and I don't ever see anybody talking on the phone. Like it's like little things like that. Pay attention to what people are actually doing and just be curious, like be curious about people. Why, why, why do you do that thing? Oh, you send an email that way. Okay. Why? So combination of those two things. What are the top three resources you would recommend to digital marketers? So you mentioned a lot of books in the podcast. Um, but like if you have to pick three only, um, that you would, you recommend to, to, to listeners, what would they be? It doesn't have to be books. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It doesn't have to be an article. It could be anything. Okay. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of things that I, I'll give you one thing that I'm enjoying right now is, uh, Noah Kagan's podcast. Um, 
just something else. You know, if you listen to podcasts, you'll probably like others. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his podcast because I think he, he has an interesting take and gives it to us a little bit real. The second one, um, I'm going to plug, uh, my podcast, uh, with David at drift talked about him a bunch. It's called seeking wisdom. Um, we do it weekly and, uh, we talk about a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now and just try to give it to you real. And, and it's a fun perspective because I don't have a ton of experience in this space. Seven, eight years. David has started five companies and been a CEO twice. And so we kind of riff on a bunch of different topics from different perspectives, um, which makes it a lot of fun. And then, um, a book that I'm actually rereading now that I think should be required reading for anybody that's working in tech, uh, digital, especially in marketing is, uh, behind the cloud, which is the story about Salesforce. Uh, it was written in 2009 and you know, I don't think they do a lot. They don't do a lot of the things that they talk about in the book today, but it's just an amazing story about like Mark Benioff is a freaking genius on marketing. There's just, there's three sections in the middle of the book about their marketing playbook, their events playbook and their sales playbook. If you just go and read those three chapters, you're going to be ahead of everybody else that you sit with every day in marketing. I would go, go back and get that book. Amazing. That's the best way to finish uh, this episode. Uh, Dave, thank you so much once again for your time. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. You're, you're a, you're a good host in the sense of like, you actually have a conversation with people. There's a lot of hosts that just try to be like, so question two, uh, I noticed <laughs> that. So it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Cheers. I appreciate it. Ken. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get and I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback we know that this show is not perfect yet and we always Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply 
Juma said your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.